Rebel fans, be excited. An attacking defense is on the way. You've been looking at years of passiveness. Now we are about to pedal to the metal. And we will also discuss what we call the linebacker problem. This is the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Willis. You can see my Twitter down below. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Also, Thank you very much for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications and new videos going out, which happens fairly frequently. And, of course, participate in the conversation by commenting down below and upvoting the video itself. We'd appreciate it very much. All right. It's coming, Ole Miss fans. It is coming. And attacking defense is on the way. We we have talked about construction of the defense. We've talked about some personnel stuff. But just the 30,000-foot view, when you look at this defense, is a defense that is going to play in the backfield, is going to be aggressive. I'm not talking about what Pete Golding did at Alabama. I'm talking about what Pete Golding did at UTSA. So anybody that says, well, he was the coach of Alabama, anybody can do it with five-star players. I'm not even talking about that. I'm not talking about Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and those guys. I am talking about the US UTSA period, whenever he supposedly had inferior players to what he's going to be coaching at Ole Miss. So we will see exactly what they do, but I have an idea of how the defense will be constructed. But more importantly, I have an idea of how they're going to play. You're going to see a defense that blitzes, quite a bit. They're creative with it. They're extremely multiple, and you're going to see man coverage and all of this stuff. It's going to be a primarily 3-3-5 and 4-2-5. That is what it's going to go back from. Now, I don't know what's and where some players exactly are going to fit. That's what spring practice is for. He is going to iron it out then, and if he needs holes, he's going to look in the late transfer portal to try and fill them. That's just the way this works. So I am very excited about the attackingness of this defense. If you go back and look at UTSA games from 2016 and 2017, which I have, I've seen four or five games at this point as part of my research of everything that's going on. And you see a team that wants to penetrate. They want to affect not just the ball carrier, But if they can't get him, they want to affect his running lanes. They want him to spill. They're going to attack the play. The number one play that I saw that really hurt the UTSA defense was anything that was counter flow. Reverses, things like that, where the defense is going one way and the offense is setting it up so they can go the other. Now, Teams aren't going to make a living running reverses in a game because eventually that's going to get figured out. But that tells you how aggressively this team played. Remember, Pete Golding 
got the Alabama job for a reason. And he didn't get the Alabama job because he was at Georgia or Ohio State or something like that. He was at UTSA, the Roadrunners. And this was actually before UTSA was even what they are now. This was Frank Wilson UTSA, first emerging on the scene. This was a 6-6, six and six, a 7-5 and five UTSA. So we will see exactly what the Ole Miss defense can do. I expect personnel changes all along the defensive front. I expect the creation of a hybrid position between defensive line and linebacker. And I expect two linebackers and possibly a Husky. So you're going to have a hybrid guy between a linebacker and a defensive back on the other side. Now, here's the thing. Ole Miss does not have the personnel right now to, I think, run this because they have built so much over the last few years. They're having to retool their defense on the fly. And and that's fine. So I expect there to be some awkward, clunky fits, especially in year one. But this defense has a chance to be interesting. And I've said this a couple of times on the podcast. It could be top 60, top 70 in the country overall, but it could be top 20 in the comf- country in turnovers. And that is what will make them interesting, and that will help them win games. Now, if they are good, if they can crack that top 50 and be a legit defensive threat to people, this team has a chance to be pretty good. Because yesterday, we told you what to be to expect from the offense. The offense is going to be really good, and this this defense, let's just be real for a second. This defense's main job will be to keep the other team off the end zone a couple times a game so the offense can work. If everything offensively goes the way it's supposed to go, which we all know that's not going to happen, but if it did, you're looking at a defense that needs three or four stops a game, and this team isn't going to lose much. So it'll be really interesting to see. That's the reason I think... Lane Kiffin went after an attacking defensive coach. Because make no mistake, Pete Golding is an attacking defensive coach. He has more in common, honestly, with Dave Aranda than with Nick Saban. He has more in common with, like, Ron Roberts, if you remember the Baylor Baylor Sugar Bowl game, than Nick Saban. Now, Nick Saban's all over his games now. He's been there four or five years. There's going to be a lot of influence there, the same way that there was influence over Lane Kiffin. But if you look at Lane Kiffin's program and see the way it's run in its totality, it's still a Pete Carroll-run program. Pete Carroll is all over that program. The same stuff that I did in 2005, 2006, is happening now. So that's not Nick Saban. That was Pete Carroll. And that's okay. But there is some stuff where Nick Saban influences Lane Kiffin, like his media policy and his distrust of outsiders. You got that from Nick Saban. So there is a way that you can be influenced, but it cannot be the dominant thing. So I think defensively, there is going to be some stuff that is influenced by Nick Saban for Pete Golding. But I also think there's going to be stuff from that Delta State tree. Stuff that they want to run. Stuff that they attack. Stuff that he did at Southern Miss. That is going to be a major, major factor 
for Pete Golding. It, it's going to be a lot of fun because this defense is going to attack, attack, attack. They might give up a big play here and there. And honestly, they're okay with that. But they're going to attack and they're going to make plays as well. It should be interesting to see. Anyway, this episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. We are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to even player props. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlays. That's absolutely nuts. And also, if you're looking for lines for the AFC and NFC championship game, they're there as well. So it's all in an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It's the official sportsbook of the NFL. All right, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure to check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right. Let's talk about the linebacker problem. And everybody's probably tuning in. It's like, what are you talking about, Steve? What is this linebacker problem? Well, that is the fact that in a 3-2-6, okay, they recruited a fewer amount of linebackers. Okay, and Ashanti C. Strunk is currently in the transfer portal, even though he has not committed. He could still come back, um, as far as I know. But, you know, Austin Keys committed to Auburn. So that dropped the depth down a little more. Troy Brown graduated. So there were no returning starters coming back in the linebacker room. It's all new. Okay, you have Kari Coleman, but honestly, we talked about before the season started last year, it is difficult to start playing with your hand off the ground whenever you're a 4-2-5 defensive end with your hand on the ground. That was always going to be a transition, and injuries did not help him out. All right? So let's look at returners that are coming back, and for people that you might need to keep an eye on that is returning, that you might have forgotten about. All right, number one is Tyler Banks. This kid has the size. He's 6'3", 235. Played a little bit on special teams last year. Athletic kid out of Blackstone, Virginia. Um, he was in the class of 2022 recruiting class. Okay. The good player. This could be the time to step up. He was in that class with Jaron Willis um, and all that, who also transferred away, by the way. Jaron Willis is in South Carolina now. So he has the size, by the way, to where he could play either – the outside backer hybrid position or the thumper in the middle position, the Jeremiah Jean Batiste, who is the transfer portal player that is coming in. The other player that's a similar stature, similar size, and is a grown man 
came from junior college last year. It's Reginald Hughes. We all forgot about Reginald Hughes. And he's a guy that, you know, we're, we need him to step up moving into this year. Because if you look at linebackers that Ole Miss have recruited, um, you have Monty Montgomery from Louisville transferring in. But he's about a 210, 215-pound back, backer. And you have Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste who's about a 230-pound backer. So you've got a, you have a two-deep right there, but in that two-deep, that second level is very thin. So you will see Ole Miss recruit, I think, in this position, assuming Ashanti Seastrunk does not come back, um, assuming, I mean, they're trying to get, I think his name is Demore Kennedy out of Alabama. We, I mean, it. Today's pretty much the deadline. You know, we'll see exactly how that goes. So we will see about these players committing and how it goes. But if not, they are going to have to recruit these positions in the late transfer portal window. They are going to need to find depth places on amongst this team. Now, Danny Lockhart, whose brother Jordan is a 2024 commit, he's a walk-on. He is also there. He's probably up as high as Tyler Banks and Reginald Hughes, if we're going to be honest about it. So we will see exactly what happens here. There's a chance that this linebacker core could be problematic moving forward. The numbers just aren't there right now. You're going to see something where the, on the jack position, the outside backers, you, Cedric Johnson ends up and could end up playing there. You can see more of a 4-2-5 because the line, there's just not enough linebackers. Maybe you can recruit defensive linemen and do the things you want to do. But at the linebacker position, that is a current problem. And then the other outside backer, the Husky position, if you remember the old um, defenses that were run in the mid-2015s-ish, um, I think Centarian Perkins could play out there. He has coverage ability. He's built for it. He, you have a chance you, to set up a defense to let him work. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that. He has a chance to be Harold Perkins' dynamite in 2023. There's players, there's big-time players on this defense. I'm not telling you there's not big-time players. I'm telling you that numbers could be a problem at certain positions because they are changing systems. It might have been a three-down look before, but it was one interior defensive lineman. The nose guard was the was the thumper and two essential defensive ends. Now it's going to be three defensive linemen. So you need defensive linemen. You need to bump those up from one to three for it to work. Linebackers, instead of having two, you at least need three positions in that position in that position group. Defensive backs they're fine. You know, they People are going to start to worry and like like Davison and Taishim and all of that stuff. I'm, I'm not worried about that even a little bit because for two years, over six, over half the defense were defensive backs. Ole Miss has defensive backs. Ole Miss has corners. They have safeties. They even have hybrid type players. Every type of player that you would need in that defensive back room, Ole Miss currently has. So I'm not overly worried about that. But the linebackers, that is the problem. The thing that Ole Miss needs to watch up. We're going to pay attention to that in spring football. We're going to pay attention to that early late signing period. We're going to um, pay attention to that in the um, May transfer portal period when this roster gets constructed. Because we told you the roster right now is about ninety percent done, if more not more than that. 
They will do one or two players in the late signing period. They will do one or two players in the late transfer portal period, and they'll be done. So the hay's not quite in the barn. The hay's almost in the barn. So we'll see exactly what happens with this defense. It, I mean, we'll just have to kind of is what it is. But remember, the goal with this defense needs to provide per possession wins for the offense this fall. Don't expect a shutdown defense. Expect a better defense than the end of last season. But don't expect Georgia, not near one. There's people people and pieces that are need to needing to be built for that. Ole Miss is trying to recruit elite players. Kamarian Franklin, those guys. So we'll see exactly how that goes. Anyway, coming up after this break, we're going to have Tom Vanderford, and he's going to talk about his normal all things Ole Miss stuff. So it should be pretty good. Anyway, stick around. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, upvote the video itself and participate in the comments down below. I'm here with Tom Vanderford for his weekly segment on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. How you doing, Tom? Hey, doing great, man. Yeah, you know, I... I think we should just get into it. We were sitting here talking about it and just almost reminiscing of what late signing day as, or it has, it used to be called national signing day. Uh, it, it just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't mean as much December 18th or whatever that date is, is, is become more of the actual signing day and sign late signing day is just an afterthought. There's a couple of names, Tim Diono and Jonathan Davis that we're paying attention to, but realistically it doesn't mean much, does it? No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> it's sad. Like we were saying, you, you wax nostalgic for the first Wednesday in February. You know, I can remember, I can remember being so excited one one uh, Wednesday, getting up early in the morning, driving to Oxford. This was, uh, and you were there because this was Orgeron's first recruiting class, and we were all up in, we were all up in the South End Zone club seats, and you know they were bringing up videos of the people and this and that and the other, and you know they were like, oh, we this late thing, we've got this four star kicker, and you know, but anyway, it was just, you know, that was. That's one that sticks in my mind. Well, but, Joshua Sheen, you, know, you just dropped a Joshua a Sheen there. Deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it used to be this huge deal where, you know, you would, you know, the uh, people would gather, pay so much money, and, you know, at some venue, whether it be there, the end at Ole Miss, wherever they did it. And now it's like, like you said, it's just an afterthought. Well, and, if you uh, think at about least it, with us. If you think about it, the Ole Miss Spirit and Chuck Roundsville, it got started as basically a hotline to where you could call a 1-800 number or a 1-900 number and pay a certain amount of money per minute to get recruiting information. That's how it started. Yeah. National Signing Day was everything to all of these services around. It's the reason all these things popped up. And now it's just got it's, it's transfer portal. It's early signing day, and it just kind of 
just laws. And I say all of that to say this. Greg Sankey a couple of weeks ago um, talked about how they need to do something about early signing day to free up December. And everybody immediately said, went to, oh, the early signing day is going away. It's like, no, they want to free up work in December. So the high school recruiting through February, that would still be happening. The work would not be freed up. What will probably happen is before their senior season, kids are going to give them, be given the opportunity to sign. I think, I think that's the direction they're going to go. I think we're looking at a signing day in August and not just going back to the old National Signing Day thing. Which, which will be neat, uh, and this is just my perspective. If a kid is the preseason number one quarterback at his position before his senior year in high school and he signs with Alabama, or one of the big blue bloods, what's to keep him from opting out of his senior year of high school football? Because if you get hurt, you know, so yeah. it, it just, it adds more, it, it just adds more uh, weirdness to the whole thing. You know, I, I guess, cause I'm, I'm, you know, in my mid uh, to late fifties and I, all of this is such a huge change. You know, the older we get, the more we uh, resist change. And this is such a huge change from what it was five years ago. Now, I like it, but it's still hard to get used to. You know, I my, my brain's turning right now. The little hamster on the treadmill, my brain's turning right now going, oh, God, I hope Pete Golden gets us a couple of more defensive fits in the summer when the portal opens again, you know? Uh, it's just weird how it's all changed. That didn't used to happen. Even if you got some kind of transfer, if they weren't a grad transfer, they weren't going to play for a year. Things have just changed so much. Uh, yeah. Big money, just, man. Big money. Yeah. You just look at it with the transfer portal, the way it sits at high school recruiting has been diminished. People want high oh, school yeah. recruiting because what we talked about earlier and and treating it like it's 2008. But the reality of it is high school recruiting is not what it was. If you treat it like it what it was, you're going to be disappointed when after a year of you developing a three-star and that three-star goes to somewhere else and it becomes wasted effort. Um I am the same way. I'm I'm resistant to change, but I'm the type of person that make the best out of how it is. When Davidson Igmanusen, like the rumor is he's going to Tennessee and Tysheem Johnson is going to Oregon, those are two players I'm just not going to concern myself about because they automatically basically disqualified themselves from the equation, and that is how is it? That's always one. How can we maximize what we have? If they're not here, they're not a part of it. If if a kid doesn't sign exactly. with Ole Miss, they're not a part of it. But that's just the way I think. Well, and 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 getting back to the high school kid thing, you're right. I, you know, I read something the other day, and I tend to agree with it. Actually, uh, if you're a four or a five star high school kid, you're still going to be signed. But if you're that low three star kid, uh where you used to be signed and developed, 
uh, you're going to have to go as a PWO or a, or, you know, preferred walk on, or uh, you're going to have to go the JUCO route mm-hmm. uh, or go to a smaller school and hope that you can shine and somebody in a larger school picks you up. So the whole equation for those high school kids has changed dramatically. You know, people that would have been signed in the 25, five years ago uh, at Ole Miss and State won't be signed. They'll be, you know, they'll be either PWOs or they'll go to a smaller school or they'll go JUCO. Things have changed so much for the high school kid. Yeah, and and I am. Yeah. You're a known commodity. If if you've got to fix your defense, if you're going from – a three-two-six to a three-three-five, uh, or or even to a four-two-five, you've got things you have to do, and you can't take a chance on a three-star kid trying to develop him from Callaway High School when you can get a guy like the kid we got from uh, NC State that's proven, uh, you know, on the line, or a John Baptiste. Uh, you just you just can't. Well, the the thing about it is because, and I, this is not an insult to any smaller school. I'm not doing that. That's not what I mean by this. But it is a reality of what is going on right now. Right now in college football, there is a minor league system that is being developed between the FCS and the lower level G5s and to the upper level G5s and then to the Power Five level even too much, so much to Big Ten and SEC. I mean, there is a cast system that is developing in college football. And those low three stars that used to find homes at Mississippi State and Ole Miss and sometimes Southern Miss, now are Southern Miss is their upper option, South Alabama, Troy, Louisiana, Monroe. Or if they're really on the cusp and they're on the borderline of that, it's Southern or Jackson State or Southern or an Alcorn, those become options for them. Southern or a Samford. Um, so that is the new way that college football is. And, and some people aren't going to be able to get their eyes around what's going on. They're not going to be able to understand it for whatever reason. Um, but it, it it's not that they're like, Ole Miss is only signing 12 people on their early signing day. Well, that's because they didn't want to fill their roster with these low-level three stars that they used to would have signed. They can get those guys, but they can get them later. They can figure out which one actually does something, and if they're good, turn into good players. All of a sudden, Ole Miss goes down and gets the guy from Southern Miss, from Louisiana Monroe, from Louisiana Tech, wherever they sign and develop. Those kids aren't gone forever. They're just not going to be signed out of high school. And the receiver that we got from La Tech, hmm. you know, he he wasn't widely recruited, but he blew up. And and he's a stud, and you go down there and you snatch him up, and and other people are doing it as well. Uh, it's just it's just different. But I'm thankful that our head coach saw this coming, and I like what he's doing. You know, I know a lot of people that are saying. You can't build a program through the portal. You can't do this. You can't do that. But a lot of the kids he gets last year and this year are two-year and three-year guys, you know? Or or he's getting the red shirt freshman or whatever, whatever the case is. I mean, you know, 
Ashim Young had three years left. You know, Ivy had three years left. You know, Dart, three years. So, Trig, three, four Mm -hmm. years. So, you know, he's not... He's supplementing his roster. He's looking at it and go, okay, I got this sophomore. And he hasn't progressed like I thought I would. So, he's going somewhere else. And I'm bringing in this sophomore that went wherever and progressed it's it's almost like the nfl you're constantly trying to improve your roster yeah if you think about it it's like kansas state under bill snyder in like 2000 with michael bishop and all that and everybody was talking how you can't build a program off of juco's you can't build a program off of juco's and it's the same story that they broke out again for the transfer portal the reality is nobody knows if you can build a program off the transfer portal because this has never been done that's like people exactly. that say these type players are not going to be available in the late transfer window. How do you know? How, how have you done this? How do we know who is going to be in the late window? This is the first one. Who is going to be in that window? And they, they don't know. The reality of it is, and I, and I will say this, is the media, whenever it was National Signing Day, you built to a Super Bowl. On February 1st, first Wednesday of the month, we talked about Wax Poetic, about how nice it was. But now, there's players that can happen. They have to be turned on all the time. So they need to do whatever they can to get it back to a smaller thing. They don't have the memory. They don't have the, they're like a Commodore 64 from 1981 trying to cover this. They do not have the space to do it. There's too many players. You have high school recruiting, JUCO recruiting, transfer portal. All of this going on is too much for them. So, of course, they're going to fight back. Of course, they're going to want to try and put the toothpaste back in the tool. It's not going to happen. But, I mean, that is the reason there's so much pushback on this is honestly because the people that are assigned to cover this, it's too much work for them. Well, it is. I, I think mm-hmm. I, I, I read, and this may be wrong, but I think I read 1,800 kids that entered the portal last year and only nine of them, 900 of them found new spots. So it's digging through all that. And, and, and you mentioned something about the, the summer uh, portal, and I'm going to mention this. Uh, we've got uh, basically... Uh, sans our defensive line coach, uh, an entire new defensive staff. Mm-hmm. Those guys were somewhere else. Those guys recruited other people. Those guys coached other people. And after the spring, there may be some people that say, you know what? I think I want to go pay- play for Goldie. Mm-hmm. Or you know what? I think I might want to go play for the quarterback coach or whatever. I mean, the same thing that Tysheen Johnson did, the same thing that Igbenosin did. Uh, they weren't happy after the coach that they liked wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's going to happen, but we have a chance for that to happen for us. And we're not that far away. Uh, I think we need, uh, and you and I have talked about this before, I think we need uh, a jack, uh, uh, a guy that, that, a big linebacker that can put his hand down and that can 
that can be a defensive end type, that can be some kind of hybrid guy. We And there are guys like that out there. And, uh, you know, I still think that we might need a little bit more help at linebacker as well, but that's just me. And, and, and I'm talking depth pieces. I think we've got some really good linebackers to start. I really do. I think, I think uh, Perkins starts right away. I think if we're a four-two-five, he'll play the. He'll play. In my opinion, he'll play the. Uh, Tony the, Connor. The Connor role. The Tony mm-hmm. Connor role. Um, and we've got we've got uh, Montgomery. He's a big, fast, quick linebacker. We've got Jean Baptiste. So, so when I talk about how I'd like just a little bit more defense, it's filler pieces, hmm. and it wouldn't it wouldn't kill me if they went out and found a way to get uh, a true center. Yeah. Um, but other than that, man, I I am thrilled about Priest Corn. I'm thrilled about our wideouts, uh, running back. I think we, I think we have. We will have two of the best running backs in SEC again this year. Yeah, you know we did last year, and uh, if you see Riscano, I watched him in that uh, Polynesian Bowl. Yeah, he's yeah a he he can catch, he can run, he can do everything. So mm-hmm. you know, and I think I I think he he kind of reminds me of number four. Yeah, he's not <laughs> so, he's not not quite that. as big, but yeah, absolutely no. No, yeah, he's not quite as big, uh, but you know, it's it, it it's we got some pieces on the offensive line. You know, we got the big big all pack twelve tackle from Washington. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the JUCO kid we got from California. You look at his film; he's quick, nice. he's strong. Mm-hmm. So you know that those are depth pieces. The kid from the kid from uh, UAB. Hey, he was second team all you. Conference USA, but he's a guard. So I mean, depth pieces. You got to have that. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, I think people um, are forgetting about Jordan Watkins in the slot. Oh yeah, yeah. You I know, do that uh, from time to time as well. Honestly. Yeah, I, I'm bad about that, but you know, mm-hmm. he's he's. We'll we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But we, you know, we when Jalen Robinson uh, left and went to TCU, some people got upset, and and you mm-hmm. and I both were like, well, you know, he. Uh, he really didn't do anything for us last year. He was yeah, either hurt he or it, not, nothing. So, I mean, uh, more power to him. You know, I hope he does great at TCU. Even but, uh, Davison, yeah, if he goes to Tennessee, it's it's like, well, what is the production you're replacing? What is something that's so insurmountable? It's all about potential and what he could be. But right. if you look and at the actual protection. Flashes, but yeah. Yeah, I think he but only you can had replace like, what, that. four passes defended. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, you know, and and we replace we replace him with uh, two good corners that that have good statistics, better than better than his, mm-hmm. albeit in in lower conferences. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know what, six two and six three corners, uh, that's that's pretty and, cool. And six no, four, actually, Saunders six, four. is six four. Yeah, yeah. So it's just. It, 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 it looks like it's taking, just like you said with the physics problem, we're getting bigger on defense and we're getting yes. faster. And and that, in the SEC, you have to be big and fast on defense. So that's my thing. I, I, I don't think 
the only problem that I have with our offense from last year is that we didn't we didn't use the middle enough. But like you said, the snap goofed things up. Uh, you know, we didn't have yeah, a vertical threat at tight end or slot for the most part. I, I think all those problems are going to be fixed. Uh, yeah, like, like I think you said the other day, Wade may end up being the slot. Hmm. Yeah, I, you know? I, I think that I think and that's we, where they're trending. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, I'm really looking forward. I don't think people understand how much priest corn is going to help us. Yeah. I, I really don't. He's, he's what we need. He's a prototypical, I can get in there and block and I can slip past the linebacker tight end, you know, he's what they wanted to get with the kid from Savannah, Tennessee. That's back as, as, is hurting and he's, he's never got to play. So, uh, Hunter Wolf, I think yeah. was his name. Hudson, Hudson Wolf. Hudson Wolf. There you go. Anyway, Tom, um, this will be the um, last time for a bit that you come up on the show. Um, everybody's going to be praying for you and nothing but good thoughts for you, man. And I appreciate that. Yeah, you're a big part of what we do here, and I just, I'm just so thankful, and I, I hope everything goes all right for you, man. Man, I appreciate that. All right. Um, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure and check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It's got everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Tom, again, good luck to you. If you need anything, let me know. Heck, half yes, the sir. listeners in our audience, if you need anything, let them know. They'd probably help you out as well. But, man, um, all the prayers to you, and every, I hope everything goes well, man. But good luck. Man, I do too. And everybody out there, thanks for all your prayers. And hotty toddy. Hotty toddy.